Discovery's four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Three, two, one, zero, zero, zero. Hello, world, and welcome to the Gadget Cast, the podcast powered by the M1 chip. My name is Gregory McFadden. We're joined with so many people today, but I'm always joined with my co-host, Travis MCP. Space travel. You stepped on it. Almost. So close. I, th- I think I got it great. What a letdown. <laughs> yeah, so close. We're here with so many millions of our best friends of the channel. Uh, even uh, Prosser is in the chat, but the people that are here that matter, the people that are actually going to talk, Greg. Who's going to join us today? I know everyone who's reading the comment section and, of course, the show notes and everything. They already know, but that's okay. Introduce them anyway. We got Renee Ritchie of uh, Renee Ritchie fame over on YouTube. I mean, we're all YouTubers. I don't know why I'm saying that, but Renee Ritchie is here. You know him uh, if you watch any Apple content. You've had to stumble across a Renee video. We got Luke Miani, again, another great creator, just fixed like a bunch of MacBooks. I was watching that and I was like, how do you do it? How do you do? How do you fix all those MacBooks? And they were there's some dirty, <laughs> there are some dirty MacBooks there. And then of course we got Gary, the everyday dad. You know Gary's special. Everyone else I just say their name, but Gary has like a title after it, and uh, has some great content with the M1. My dog doesn't like Gary though, apparently. So I'm sorry about uh, that's that. That's fine. We, we Greg's <laughs> dog and I we, every we other day dad. Beef. Yeah, he's 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 thinking of an everyday dad, but I am yeah. the everyday dad. Absolutely. So uh, we gathered this group together. Uh, we actually gathered them one other time when uh, Apple had some announcements, and uh, we thought it would be fitting to get all these experts back in here after what I think were some pretty exciting announcements with uh, Apple's last event, especially around the new redesigned 24-inch M1 iMac and the powerhouse. I don't even know why it's a powerhouse, but the M1 iPad Pro. I think two really exciting products, uh, two products that will tell us a lot about Apple's direction uh, in the next coming years for personal computing. And then, of course, you know, we can talk about some other products. I know Travis just released a video with AirTags. I kind of want to talk about that, too. So maybe we could talk about that towards the end of the show. But uh, I just wanted to get your reactions for the event. Um, I guess we'll start from the top. Renee, overall, April event. How 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 did you perceive everything? Were you like pumped? Were you like so ready to order a new iPad? It was so fully loaded. It was like <laughs> so spring loaded. It was it was fun to see because you know, we didn't get a March event, which we don't always get, but you kind of always want because waiting till June sucks. So they put out a, a bunch of stuff. It's always weird when you're covering it because you don't get to enjoy it like somebody just watching it. I imagine it's like if you're if you're like a movie critic and you're watching a movie, the critic part of your brain never lets go and never lets you just enjoy it. So I had to go back and watch it the next day to actually see what had happened after I finished talking about it for a while. And it was fun. It was great. I like the the colors. I like the uh, I like the pace. I think they're really settling into the Apple event show season two. Yeah. Luke, what did you think with the pacing, the out the outdoors, Tim Cook walking outside, definitely hitting the weights, I think, a little bit, you know. He's ready. Yeah, Tim Cook was uh Tim Cook looks like he's been out there since the last <laughs> Apple event, just, you know, getting it done. Curling uh, no, but honestly, it seems like I feel like their their production value is just so ridiculously good. It's just like an excuse. Some some guy in their production team got a new drone and they're like, okay, we need to use this 
all the time now. It was a really good drone, and they don't want it to go to waste. No, but I thought it was a. I thought it was really crazy how fast paced it was, because it was only a year ago, or I guess a little more than a year ago, when you'd get like the first fifteen minutes would just be talking about how cool whatever they just did was, and then you know I felt like everything was so drawn out with, and then you know all the um the third parties that would come in and do demos, and those were always super boring, to be honest, like. I always showed up for the hardware and then, you know, you'd sit through a game developer showing some game for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, the pacing is like ridiculous. I, I, it's hard to believe that they put all of that into one hour, you know, start to finish. It was, it was very, very fast. Hard to cover. They cover. They covered a lot in like one hour and the pacing was like excellent to the point of where like. When, when you have like the traditional keynote Apple events, there's always like a part of you because it just drags on for so long after they go over like all these demos and stuff. There's always like a part of you is like, is there going to be one more product? But like at these, there's almost like no questioning. It's like, OK, they hit this, they hit that, they hit this. Uh, they're going to have room to fit in the iMac, obviously, because they're going at such a fast pace. So I, I kind of like these virtual events. What do you think, Gary? Uh, are you more of a fan of the virtual events or do you like the classic keynote? Well, I love the these virtual events have been amazing. I would pay legit money to get like a, a behind the scenes DVD just of like how they did it, because uh, their audio is always on point. Uh, the I mean, yeah, the, the the cinematography of it's cool, but I just like that he's outside and it sounds like he's in a like a legit recording booth. I would pay a a non insignificant amount of money to actually see a behind the scenes of how they do that all, because it's it blows my mind every every event. I think they should give you the behind the scenes just for buying that Hermes uh, AirTags thing that you got. I think that you should get a free copy of that with that. Yeah, I figured for how much that thing cost, somebody would show up to actually install it and set it all up for me, but nobody did. It just showed up in a box by itself. <laughs> I am slightly embarrassed by that, uh, by the way. It was, hey, it's I'll probably I'll probably end up giving it to my wife. And you know, the Hermes folks are like, why is this so cheap? Why is Apple selling these tags so cheap? We charge 2000 bucks for a tag in our store. Why are they devaluing our brand? It was a oh, nice box. I watched the unboxing. dollars for a T-shirt. I did. Yeah, I did. I didn't quick, know that. I did a quick check uh, before I made my video. They eleven hundred dollars for a T-shirt. That is. Yeah, that is not every day. Way more than the there. Apple ones. It's it's crazy, or it's silly. Or, but I guess if you have that much money, it's like no money at all to you. It's like candy money for us, right? Right. No, it's no, like, no. Oh, I've already got the bet. I've got the Hermes uh, handbag that cost me five grand. I might as well have the three hundred fifty dollar tag to track it. Yeah, so when I jump in my twenty-seven thousand dollar flight back to Abu Dhabi, you know, I, I can have that on my luggage. Yeah, I've got mine on a fifteen-dollar backpack, so it, it it's working pretty well for me. the the only The only question is if you can if you can afford an Hermes AirTag. Like, is is the hassle of like tracking down your lost item? I feel like you just go no, ahead and like buy something does new. That. Your your assistant does that, and you dock <laughs> them for every hour, it takes them to find it. Exactly. Absolutely I think the true. actual thing is, is that you're tracking the Hermes part. Like that's what you're actually tracking. That's the tag is for the actual Hermes thing. So that's what you're tracking. You don't put it on anything. That's like, I want to know where my Hermes is. I got to find out where it is. Uh, and people don't care about the thing they stole from you. They just want the tag. They throw the <laughs> bag on the ground and just walk off with a tag. Like who even needs, who even needs this Lenovo backpack? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, one man. of those names is definitely more prestigious than the other. <laughs> <laughs> and you're using the prestigious <laughs> one. You're using the prestigious one to track the boring one. That seems backwards. Yeah. How many how many years until we see like a 
Where's the Hermes iMac? You know, I think uh, I think I think we're overdue for that. Leather sure bezels. Everyone, <laughs> got, the got bezels the were too Apple far. Watch, all that stuff already the $2, has thousand dollar MacBook sleeve. Steve, hey, Steve Jobs, I think would approve of the uh, leather iMac. I think that would be a big hit. Uh, the texture. Yeah, for the texture. We're you know we're bringing skeomorphism back into the regular product line, but uh, no, go. Let's talk about this M1 iMac instead of Hermes. I think the people in the chat probably don't want to spend a whole show on uh, Hermes, but maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but Gary, this M1 iMac. I know you've gotten a lot into like these M1 products, and I've watched like uh, you know I think Gary does more like Windows content as opposed to someone like me, Renee. I know Luke does too, but Gary, I, I feel like you spend a lot more time with like those types of laptops and stuff like that and i watch your reviews of like those laptops and like pretty recently there's been like this feeling ever since like the m1 macbook air came out where i watch your videos and i kind of know how they're like gonna end and it's like you can like you can say all these great things about like a windows laptop but then you look at like the m1 chip in a macbook air and it's like how do you beat that value now this m1 imac isn't a laptop so how you know we don't have these products. I don't think anyone has these products. Maybe Renee does, but uh, how do you think this M1 chip transitions into a $1,300 desktop? I, I mean, I hope it does well. Uh, obviously, I pre-ordered one just to, to give it a shot, but I mean, so far what we've seen from the M1 is it's very good value for dollars. So like the Mac Mini, you can buy for like 500 bucks now refurbished. Uh, the MacBook Air, you can get refurbished for a fantastic deal. It's It's been the chip and they've been the products that have just blown away value for dollar. But seeing an iMac, I mean, the 24-inch iMac is probably going to follow a very similar sense where, hey, I want an all-in-one. Maybe it's a first computer. Like the, the reason I bought one, or at least besides just making YouTube content, is my wife's currently doing her master's. She's using a MacBook Pro 13 from Dinosaur Age because it still has uh, ports. Uh, but sh I'll probably replace that because it is just such, and it you're right, it is hard. You know, I buy a lot of Windows laptops because I'm hoping that eventually something will happen to, it's boring to just say, just go buy the MacBook Air, just go to buy, buy the MacBook Air. That's boring to say, but unfortunately, it's too good to not constantly say that. So iMac, I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm excited to try it out. I think it'll probably be the best value all-in-one you can get because the the M1's apparently made out of magic um, and just is taking over the, the computer world. Yeah, you, until the M, M1X or M2 comes out, then we all lose our minds. Is it, you know, the one thing about the M1, and I, I definitely want to hear everyone's thoughts on this, uh, Renee first, because I don't care what Greg has to say. Um, I want to know... Fair. That's like, a fair point. Exactly. Does anyone really care what Greg has to say? No, of course not. Um, I want to know, like, this, we were all super excited when the M1 came out. And when we started to test it, and we realized that not only <clears throat> was Apple being very honest with the performance gains, we were finding that maybe they had undersold it to a certain degree. The immediate, like, I can't wait for the next one, I was surprised at how fast that sentiment came and has been really strong ever since. There's all this, can't wait for the M1X. Well, we're still in the middle of this really incredible uh, system on a chip that's doing amazing things. Do you think that's going to happen again when the M1X or M2 comes out? Like, it almost seems too... Uh, we we turned the corner so quick on that first one that I'm I'm kind of worried about the second one. Is it always going to be that? Do you think? No, I think with the M1, it was the 
they put out the entry level ultra low power version first, but we nerds want everything to be for us. So immediately we go and buy all these, even though they're not the best suited computers for us. They're the ones with the minimal RAM configurations, minimal SSD configurations, minimal port configurations. And those are like, it's like the, the brand new shoes came out, but they're two sizes too small for you. And you don't want to wait until like your size comes out. So you go and buy that and you're wearing it. And it's like, yes, I'm styling, but it's just like a little too small to be comfortable. Uh, so you naturally want the one that's for you, the right fit. So like for a lot of us, it's I want the one with 32 or 64 gigabytes of RAM with, you know, four or eight terabytes of SSD with more than, you know, two or four ports, like more than two ports. I want like four ports. I want all those amenities that come with it. So I think for us, it's just need. We, this is brand new and shiny, so we're getting it, but we want the brand new and shiny version of what of the Mac that we would actually buy if all other things are equal. And then I think for M2, it's going to be different because a lot of people I think are assuming M2 is going to be even better, where if if Apple follows their previous pattern, the number is just going to mean the generation of silicon and it, it'll get like 20% faster and for a CPU, 30% faster for graphics. It'll have better architecture, but it'll probably go in the low, ultra low power versions again. And then we'll be like, oh, it's a redesigned MacBook Air with an M2 and only one port. Ah, but I still want it. Um, and then there'll be an M2X, which will go into the machines that we want. So it'll get higher or they'll get wider. And the nerds really want the ones that are wider, I think, at this point. What about you, Luki? I so I, I really think that the M1, I don't know, it was obviously a game changer, but this iMac release specifically has me a, just a little bit nervous because what we've seen right now is Apple is putting the M1 in absolutely everything that they can. And that's great because it's a fantastic performance per dollar. But that's the problem, per dollar. Once you start paying more and more money for an M1 chip, it's not as outstanding. So when you look at, you know, the, the M1 MacBook Air versus the previous MacBook Air, it's not even close. You look at the, the dual core i3 in last year's MacBook Air, you look at the M1 version, it's hilarious how bad of a comparison it is. However, once you crack into that desktop realm and in that over $1,000, getting into $2,000 when you want to spec this thing up with the new iMac, it starts to get to a point where you know, a $2,000 desktop should probably have more than two ports, should probably have more than 16 gigabytes of RAM. Um, a 4.5K display is, is going to be a little bit tough to, uh, uh, with the integrated graphics on, on the M1 chip. So I, I hope that this would be the furthest up the product stack that M1 goes because anything higher than that, or more expensive than that, I should say, would would be, I think, a downgrade. Uh, I can forgive two ports, one display, 16 gigs of RAM on a MacBook Air. And even on the, the $1,300, the $1,500 iMac, I think that is still a great package. But I personally, that, that's one of the reasons why I bought the base M1 stuff, is once you start specking them out, you're getting into the point where if I'm spending $2,000, I want more than I want more than that, frankly. Um, like a 16-inch MacBook Pro, that is a product that if it were to have an M1 chip, which I don't think it will, but if Apple were to put an M1 chip in the 16-inch MacBook Pro, I would be furious and say, that's not good enough. Um, so I, I hope, I don't know what we're going to see with the 14-inch. That's the big thing that I've been working on for the last couple of days is I think the 14-inch MacBook Pro is also going to have M1, and I think that's going to be pushing the limits of how much money is it acceptable 
to be shipping an iPad chip. Well, Gary, I know that you have been singing the praises of, uh, and actually one of the reasons I ended up did, uh, did end up getting in a MacBook Air is how much you were saying um, the MacBook Air and even the Pro were excellent for their price range. Do you agree with Luke that, and I, I actually, as Luke says it, I'm, I'm kind of saying, yeah, it actually makes sense. Um, that the higher you go, you actually your expectations go higher. And with the iMacs that were just released, maybe some people's expectations going into it, or at least the tech nerds uh, that we are, uh, our expectations were maybe too high. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. I think if we're going to start spending a lot of money, um, I saw in the chat, like, when you start talking, you know, $2,000 on a rig, like, even in Windows land, you can start getting into the Ryzen chips, which are legitimate um, powerhouse machines. Um, so I don't think Apple can can keep playing the M1 card when we start talking, um, you know, bigger, more expensive desktop setups. But yeah, no, the MacBook Air, I'm on the MacBook Air right now. Uh, it's easily, I think, the best value computer probably ever made. Um, you can get for what eight hundred ninety nine bucks refurbished with. I mean, the M one is. I'm. It's hard to to speak of it in a non hyperbolic manner because um, I I do think it is really good. Like Luke was saying, the the core i three from last year's model was, you know, it's what people generally expect when they get like a super lightweight ultrabook. Um, but now the MacBook Air has some actual teeth um, for the same price uh, and eighteen hours of battery life. Like what? Um, so no, I totally agree with uh, what everybody else is saying. I would like to see um, more ports uh, continue with the battery life. I think what we haven't mentioned yet is p potentially an Apple GPU, because um, as great as the 8-core and the 7-core integrated GPU on the M1 is, um, it'll be nice to see something dedicated, especially for those of us uh, doing graphically intensive work or spending 80 hours a week on World, uh, World of Warcraft. Not saying anybody does that here, but if you were to do that here, um, it would probably be a little better if we could get a dedicated GPU, Apple or otherwise, if, if yeah, you can find them. I don't think they're actually for sale anymore. It's interesting that you bring that up because the other thing that this, uh, the M1 being in, in the iMac, I think informs us is that we should decrease how many chips we would expect Apple to make. Uh, there were like the, the rumors, there was like, oh, there's going to be a 12 core. Then there's a 16. They're working on 32 and 64. I would think three chip variants i think uh you have m1 m1 is already basically in half of the max that you can buy and then you know you go up to m1x i don't know maybe they would do 16 inch macbook pro a larger imac and um maybe a, a larger more powerful mac mini i would really like to see that and then i think above that you go to the mac pro and i would see a dedicated GPU coming in only on that higher tier. I would suspect that M1X in almost all of its forms is going to have an integrated GPU. It'll probably be very solid. It'll be a 16 core. They're probably just going to double the M1. But that's the thing that I think this uh, last update is, is informing us is the days where Apple products were endlessly configurable, you know, multiple GPUs on the iMacs, multiple GPUs on the MacBooks you could configure down to the VRAM. I think those days are going to be over. Hey, Greg, let's talk a little bit about the iMac that you ordered or the iMac. I don't know how many you ordered. Lord knows with you. Um, a week ago or so, we were talking about the iMacs and we, we wanted to talk most about that this week with, uh, with the super group. And um, one of the, <laughs> the use cases I came up with 
for someone like you who doesn't need it other than for your YouTube channel, but kind of wants mm. it. And I, I like the look of it, so I kind of want it for that. And I told you the only use I could come up with it for was the the kitchen, which um, I thought was a great little area for that computer for like recipes and stuff. You can do it by Siri and you don't have to use your hands and all the things. Your little, uh, if you have a kitchen um, island, uh, put it right there. Like I happen to have one of those little kitchen island things. Um, now, not everyone has that and it seems extraneous, but you seem to really kind of link you liked that Did, is that what's going on with are you going to do that i might uh well i think either way i'm gonna end up having one imac that i keep because i really do like the design it speaks to me it's a computer i want to have in my collection for sure um but uh what you know you keep out of how many, how many <laughs> i need every single color maybe we'll see you know when they start getting down in price maybe i'll order another color or something like that uh but he'll but, be the unboxing every color video no you know i'll leave that to <laughs> detroit borg but uh uh, yeah, I think I might get two models. I got two models ordered right now. They're, you know, they're not shipping till mid-May, so I'm trying to decide what I want to do. Uh, I'm kind of worried that the maxed out configuration I ordered won't actually ship on time because I kind of don't believe those ship dates. But um, I do have the entry-level model ordered like Luke because I do think, you know, that could potentially be a pretty good value for people uh, the more I think about it, especially if you get like a like a Thunderbolt dock. I think that's probably the, the weakest aspect of the entry level one. But uh, no, um, you know, listening to you guys talk about M1X and stuff like that, I really do like this 24 inch iMac design. Um, but, you know, as we're talking about the limitations of this M1 chip, um, you know, an M1X style product, whatever that is in the form of a bigger iMac, would ultimately be the device that I would use to run my YouTube channel, edit my videos and stuff like that. So while I, I will use the 24-inch iMac in the meantime, it ultimately isn't going to be my main computer. So, you know, when that time comes, what do I do with this 24-inch iMac? And I like the design so much that it's not something I want to kind of sell uh, because I do admire the design that Apple put into it. I really do like the colors. Um, it's very reminiscent of the uh, iMac G3 to me, one of my favorite computer designs. Um, so, you know, putting that on a kitchen island, um, you know, there's uh, Amazon Alexa stuff, uh, Google Home, and they have displays and speakers built into it. Uh, a lot of people wanted a HomePod with a display. It's I don't know if we'll ever get that product now, considering Apple discontinued the big HomePod. But, but when you think about a 24-inch iMac, those speakers are probably going to sound pretty good. Uh, you got Siri support in there. Maybe you could maybe you could put that on your kitchen island, have like the ultimate entertainment center uh, right there. I think that'd be pretty cool. And it might be something I do with that iMac once these M1X products start coming out. And somebody left a uh, something that I hadn't thought of because I live in my own you know tech bubble. Um, but somebody left a comment on one of my videos about the iMac that it's probably going to be the perfect point of sale computer um, going forward. So every like coffee shop's going to have one in the front because they're just it's powerful, it's quiet. Um, you know, it's reasonably priced. It'll be, it'll work with all accessories. Um, so that was just something that uh, I hadn't thought of personally, but um, I imagine we're going to start seeing them a lot um, in businesses. Yeah, I don't know how much normal POS systems go for, but that's not actually not <clears> too bad if you get the base level. It's certainly powerful enough to do it as long as you have the software for it. It just work. has no touchscreen. Womp womp. So you'll be stuck with your iPad. Good point, actually. Really hey, good point. If you put that uh, that G4 iMac on an arm and that had a touchscreen, wouldn't that be the ultimate point of sale thing? You like spin it around and it's right there for you. That'd be great. Oh. See, products Apple will never make, you know. Luke, you should make that product. You should just, you know, put a touchscreen and a G4. 
I get do it going. Wonder, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that, but I do wonder how difficult it would be to put a Mac Mini in the base of one of those. Can't dbrand just make I, a touchscreen sticker? You like you, you sticker the dbrand on it, and it's a touchscreen. Can't they just fix this for us? Well, Luke, you already made the first M1 iMac. We should note that, you know, so. That's true. I'll tell you, I wasn't expecting to make an iMac that had the exact same configuration as the <laughs> iMac that I would later buy. That was not, that was not expected. That was pretty time. dope. That was, that was. Hey, I mean, you know what? It's, it's official. Um, no, uh, going back to like the M1X stuff, though, I really do think, um, you know, I had the same thoughts of Luke. Like, they are really, like, kind of pushing what the M1 can do. And I really do like the M1. It's fast at a lot of things. And even, like, just, you know, like, looking at, like, a Geekbench score, it doesn't tell the whole story. Like, M1, like, encoding, like, certain formats, like, video, it's super fast. I love it. I think it's a good fit for this iMac. But it is it is pushing that upper limit, especially when you are maxing out these configurations. Um, you know, investing that much money into... Uh, an M1 iMac, if you're a pro, maybe it's not the smartest move like I'm doing, but I also think like for a consumer level machine, like iMac with M1, um, especially because you know it's gonna run quiet. Uh, it's you know it's gonna run really well. Um, it, it does well with like video and stuff like that, but like for like consumer needs and stuff like that, I think it's a perfect fit. But you know, it's been in the Mac Mini, but this is really kind of like the first desktop class computer that the M1 has been in. And when we're looking at like laptops and stuff like that, the M1 has so, so many advantages with battery life, with thermals and stuff like that, that really aren't apparent in or really you really don't need it as much in a desktop. You know, you're, you're not really like, oh, look how much energy I'm saving with my desktop. It's so great. Like, it's like, no, I just want like the most power possible. This thing isn't running on battery. So even if Apple put like an M1 into a 14 inch MacBook Pro, while I think a lot of us would be disappointed because I think we, you know, especially if they're charging the prices they're charging now for it, I think we expect a lot more power out of that device. It also would bring all the benefits that the current M1 MacBook Pro has. So it would be better at certain things. It would have better battery life. It would be better uh, thermally designed. It wouldn't scorch your lap when you're uh, exporting video and stuff like that. But M1X, um, I, I think it needs to what come to these higher though, machines. Greg? So like, I, sure. I think some people hear M1X and they expect it's going to be more powerful and it won't. Like the, It'll be the same cores, the same... Ice Storm cores, the same Firestorm cores, the same graphics cores. It'll just have more of them. And yes. not everybody has multi-core dependent workflows. So if it's just an M1 that has two more Thunderbolt controllers grafted onto the package, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say I'd be like ecstatic at that because maybe I do want to do really cool scientific workloads. I'm not saying that I do, but maybe in my, my mind I want to. Um, but just if they fix the sort of pro equals ports problem i think a lot of people would be happy yeah no looking at this imac too it's it, it's becoming apparent that the biggest limitation of m1 right now is what they have going on with the port situation here i mean you got a full desktop computer and it has four USB-C ports on the back like it really is like okay like you know, it works now. It's probably a better product than what you had before because a lot of those other 21-inch iMacs are pretty anemic, especially on the lower end. But uh, yeah, when you're looking at like four USB-C ports, it's kind of like a joke. It's like, really? Apple made this big desktop computer. They're putting four ports on it. But, but in terms of like performance and stuff, you know, single core performance on M1 is like 
industry leading. Like, it's great. I don't think anyone's going, oh, I want higher single core. But if you throw four more high performance cores into that machine, obviously your multi-threaded workloads are going to be higher uh, for the people that need it. But uh, going back to what Luke was saying, uh, and and Gary, I really think one of their biggest hurdles and, and what I want to see them tackle is GPU workloads. I know this M1X is rumored to have like a 16-core GPU, but even then, is that enough to outclass dedicated graphics cards that some of these Macs... 300-watt NVIDIA cards? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Macs don't do gaming, which is probably what people use, you know, graphics cards the most for, but there's still industries, there's still workloads that really rely on a good solid GPU. So I do want to know what Apple's strategy is for that long term. What do you think? I wouldn't expect that Apple does have I mean, so here's the thing. Apple has never been about the GPU game. They like if you realistically like I have an iMac Pro that retailed for $10,000 when it was new in 2018. For the record, I didn't pay the full amount for it. I got it used. But that thing has a Vega 64. That's not a $10,000 computer graphics card. That even when it was new, a Vega 64 was not like the craziest thing out there. Uh, a- Apple has just never really been GPU oriented. So I don't necessarily see that changing. Um, it-, it sucks because like I-, I would absolutely love to see some crazy good GPUs. Uh, I would also love to see Apple expand. You know, they've got Apple Arcade. They they clearly are have some interest in gaming, but right now it's confined to mobile um and and i think that they could if they wanted to make that more of a focus but i think i don't know the the thing that i always go back to with apple is whatever category they're targeting they try to target as broad a version of that category as possible even with something as arguably niche as the mac pro uh it's still designed to appeal to as many people as humanly possible and that means that you avoid some of the niche people. And then that's why the nerds get upset almost every time Apple announces something because they're not necessarily being catered to. Um, and I just don't see GPUs as something that Apple wants to cater to when they would rather, especially in a laptop, uh, focus on efficiency. Yeah, yeah you, um, generally speaking, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of laptops lately. Although you have done the occasional desktop uh, computer video, uh, you've mainly lately been doing a lot of uh, laptop stuff and, of course, some iPad stuff. Uh, what about the kind of uh, rumored things about the M2 or whatever the heck it's going to be uh, excites you from a desktop's perspective more so than laptops? I think we know what it means for laptops. We just expect that to be for the, the bigger size, like um, uh, MacBook Pros. But like an actual uh, iMac Pro or a MacBook, like what are you what are you excited about? I don't know. That's, that's tough because like I said, I use a, a Mac Mini. Um, an M1 Mac Mini is my primary computer now. And frankly, it does everything I could. Like I have, I had a, uh, I spent the last two years leasing an iMac Pro um, because the channel was so small. I couldn't outright buy one. So I did a business lease had one here, um, paid monthly, and it was fantastic. It was great. But this Mac Mini does everything faster, better, quieter um, in every way than that uh, iMac Pro did. Uh, so I can't really imagine. 
I mean, yeah, everything could get, you know, a little bit faster, a little bit, um, maybe a little bit better. And I'll buy, you know, whatever they come out with just to, you know, stay relevant and keep up with, cause you always gotta, I think you should invest in your tools. And if they come out with a, you know, a better hammer, I will get the better hammer, but, um, specific things that I'm excited about, like the, the Mac mini is my perfect computer. It's got all the ports I need. It's got HDMI. It's got the Thunderbolt. Um, I don't know. Desktop computers. I think they've, I think they, when I say they, I mean, I think Apple, I, I don't want to say shot themselves in the foot, but they made almost too good of a product in both the MacBook Air and the Mac Mini in that if somebody's buying these things, there's not a lot of, there, there's not a lot of reason to upgrade if we're not just going to throw in some ports or like if they're not going to, you know, like Luke was saying, they make general products. If they're not going to hyper niche down into like, hey, I'm targeting an, a gamer with this Apple gaming laptop, which, you know, never going to happen, but um I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. I will long story long. I, I don't know. They, they would have to, they'd have to gold plate it or something for me. Cause like I said, the Mac mini, I love it. It's my favorite computer I've ever had. The air, they're just going to redesign. You're going to order it faster than Greg. That's what will happen there. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm uh, the, I will order it faster and I'll make the video faster than Greg. <laughs> he challenged me the other day. Who won that one, Greg? Oh, you don't, you don't challenge. <laughs> Although Travis might put up a video before the event next time if he keeps going in the direction. Well, I can't compete with Travis. He sees into the future. Getting closer every (laughs) year. I'm just a human. I'm just a human. Uh, yeah, so speaking of, we'll, if we we might roll back to this, but I want to make sure we talk about this next uh, subject uh, right now because I, I'm not sure how how deep we're going to get into this. It could get very complicated. So let's start from the top. Um, I released a video today about the AirTags. So there's a lot of videos out right now about AirTags that are kind of at least the ones that originally came out before when the um, the embargo was lifted. I assume, uh, Renee, how long did you have like air tags before you were able to do the video? It was like just a couple of days, or I mean, how long should I have had them, or how long did FedEx? How long did you actually have them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, two days, three days, something like that. They were late though. Oh, so they would have been there what, like another couple of days before? Yeah, they would, well, it would have been a day before. But, you know, like a day when FedEx is late is like an eternity. Totally. So you would have had about three or so days with it. And, and you know, yeah. for something that you know you need to get out by a certain time because the embargo is going to lift and you want to be out there when everyone else is throwing it out. Uh, for the most part, we saw uh, uses of the AirTags that I think Apple really intended them to be used for, which is kind of the way they sold it. Uh, I decided to try something a little different. Now, there are a couple of people that have done similar-ish videos. I think Saradici did a similar-ish video to the one I did, except for I went the op- slightly deeper. So uh, for those of you who didn't see it, what I did was I went oh, over I to- apologize. Sorry. I got them the morning of the embargo. Oh, my God. Race to make the video. Yeah, FedEx was that late. I just double-checked. I got it the morning of the embargo and then had to race to get a video up 12 hours after Marquez. Good so that was my gosh. story. I know at that point, wow. it's like it's almost Apple old. loves waiting till the last second. I'm not saying that I've been under NDA and owned the product that I couldn't talk about, like had it in my hand, but that, <laughs> that has happened. Um, I could only wish. I've yeah, never been ch- blessed is- by any sort of acknowledgement from Apple Inc. Can we talk about that for a second? I'll, I'll get back to my story in a second. I, that kind of blows me away. You and, and Sam from iUpdate. I kind of, well, for you, you have, you have the repair, which, you know, there's people think that Apple doesn't like the right repair. So maybe that has something to do with it. I update the Sam. I have no idea what that's all about. Why do you think that Apple hasn't quite warmed up to you yet? Luke, matter of fact, in a video, not too long ago, you said that you heard that Apple had watched one of your videos was unhappy about something you said in a video. Yeah. So 
I mean, I think I think that you're right with the repair stuff. I've been critical of their new things, and I've advocated going for old things. And they don't get money from the old things. They get money from the new things. So I think that's pretty simple. Although it does surprise me that I don't even get like the invites for the virtual events. Like, I, did, did everyone here get those invites? Because I've, I've not had any sort of any sort of recognition in any official capacity from Apple outside of like when I go into the genius bar, sometimes people recognize me. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I think Apple does not like me. Although as you mentioned, uh, Travis, there was, so I heard from a leaker that, that Apple was, that at least to some degree, people in Apple were not pleased when I bought the base model iMac before the M1 the 2017 dual-core i5 iMac that ships in 2021 with macOS Catalina pre-installed on it uh, and comes with a 1080p display. And you can still buy it, by the way. It has not yet been discontinued. Uh, apparently, they did not like that I was... I think it was mainly just that I was drawing attention to it. And they they didn't... It was kind of an embarrassing thing for them to have on sale. Um I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I was told by a leaker. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because they're still selling it after they announced the M1 thing. So I don't know. But apparently they didn't like that. Well, so they have. It took me 11 years to get an iPhone review unit, though. Like, and that was me showing up at events and waiting to sort of like outside in case somebody else canceled. Like, it was an incredible amount of expense and effort to, to start getting that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't like. Yeah, I wouldn't send me products at all. And I, I legit have no idea why they talked to me. Years. Yeah, they just came no out of more like, hey, we like the very guys. They just sent me an email one day and I was like, it, so legit, the first time I had an Apple email, I thought it was fake. Because, you know, everybody gets those, you know, emails of, hey, we should, you should work with us. We're from X company. Um, but I reached out to a, a, a bigger YouTuber that, that I trust their opinion on. I was like, hey, have you heard of this person? I'm like, yeah, I've heard of that person. I was like, why would they want to talk? I don't know. I, uh, did they, uh, I have no what, idea. they send you embargoed products or something in the past, or is it just like a invite type of thing? A couple, a couple of both. Um, oh wow! They like to send out like invites for um, like little, little, like mini events. Like, hey, here's how you could use this piece of software that we're excited about, or you get to just have a chat with um, their product teams or stuff like that. Um, I have, you know, they've sent me stuff in the past, but I'm not. I'm like on the. I, I feel like I'm in like. The, the middle, I'm not the, I obviously I didn't get AirTags or the, the purple um, iPhone, uh, but because the way that Apple has their, um, like each team has a PR team. Um, they, it's not like a Apple PR, maybe it exists. I've never talked to them, but it's like each individual product line has a PR team um, that they coordinate their, their things with. Friendly, super friendly people. Some of the friendliest um, people that I've ever had the the pleasure to work with. Some brands, uh, they're like, yeah, whatever, YouTuber. Here's, you know, you're, you're lucky I'm emailing you. But the Apple folks have always been great. Um, and I've very much enjoyed working with them. All right. So back to the, um, the AirTags thing. So um, I, I saw a couple of videos. Uh, and I actually on Gadgetcast a couple of weeks ago, um, I think Greg and I talked about the idea of stalking someone with AirTags during, during an episode. So I was like, I'm going to do that video. Um, I think Greg's going to do a video like that too, which is awesome. I can't wait. And I wanted to make sure that I, I didn't really miss anything. So I actually watched um, a thing that Dave 2D did where he said um, that, um, you know, apparently it alerts you when you get back home, all this other thing. So I had a lot of this information 
going into this experiment and I wanted to test all of that, but I wanted to test it from a situation where someone, I didn't want to make up an experiment that was just straight up dumb and no, no one would ever do. I wanted to think if I was like a frustrated ex and I wanted to track my ex and I knew where they lived, or even if I didn't know where they lived, heck, if I was at a store and I saw their car, could I attach an air tag to their car and have it follow them and know where they Greg were? Greg was too far away, so you chose somebody else. Is that 100%, what you're telling us? 100%. <laughs> I know Greg doesn't go anywhere, so there's no point in that. <laughs> um, so I, and I wanted to see what would happen. Now, I honestly did not know what would happen when I, I, I there was a, a real possibility when I was shooting the video, I was like, no one may ever see this because nothing interesting might happen. So what I did was, um, and in the video you can see this, I snuck over to my friend's house, uh, I attached it to the bottom of his truck, and my expectations were that I would understand kind of where he went, and I, I didn't know if it would be like real time, like I didn't know what to expect. So what ended up happening was, um, shortly after I put the tag on his car, he went to dinner, and then came back home. And then the next day I called, and he didn't know this, like he didn't know it was there. The next day I told him, hey, I'm gonna do a YouTube video. All I need you to do is go somewhere and I'm gonna try to find you. But that's it, I didn't tell him how, why, or anything. I just said, I'm just going to try to find you. He said, okay. So you can see the rest happen on the video. Like it happened exactly the way it happened there. Nothing was staged. Um, and I asked him after, I forgot to record this while I was talking to him. Um, I said, okay, so a couple things. I've been told that you should have been alerted to um, this, you know, this tag following you around. And we checked his notifications. He even had notifications from the day previous, nothing, absolutely nothing. And the thing about it is a lot of people were saying in the comments, well, what, what version of software was he on? Okay, first of all, that's the dumbest question ever. So I'll answer, it was 14.5, but that's the dumbest question because here's the thing. People were implying that he wouldn't have got alerted unless he had 14.5. That's completely irrelevant because what you're now saying is that someone could be tracked but not notified, which makes no sense. You, now you're saying that Apple would have made a software available that would allow you to be tracked but not notified, and I just don't buy that. So he, he had he had 14.5. So it's, it, again, it's a moot point, but it was kind of a dumb argument. And then there were other questions about, well, it, it wasn't close enough to him, and a lot of people just making up excuses why this, this didn't work, why he was never notified. The end result is, as a consumer, this is troubling. Like this is a weird thing that Apple says they are going to, one of the reasons on their webpage is it says, listen, we're gonna let you know if something's chasing you around and it did not work. Now, Sardici did this and she showed how it could work and what it looks like when it does work, but the tag was right next to her. Now, again, I wanna point out that if I'm someone trying to stalk somebody, it's unlikely I'm gonna be able to put a tag so close to that person that it's gonna go in the house with them. As a matter of fact, I don't want that. I just want to know where they are. So a car makes more sense. Someone said, put in a glove compartment. Again, dumb. So what I did was what I think would be exactly what an actual stalker would do um, is to put it on a vehicle where that person could be. What happened was um, I saw breaks in the communication. Whenever he was driving, it would only like ping every so often. It seems like it takes longer to ping out. Um, anywhere between eight to 10 minutes. So I would see these weird blips, but well, like when he stopped at Popeye's, like I saw him there for for tons of periods of time. And then in the video, when he stopped where he was, I saw that he was there. Then when someone on Twitter, I thought this was really interesting. When I, when he saw my video, he wanted to try it. So he did kind of the same thing, except for he did it with a friend who had an Android phone. Now the thought behind this is it shouldn't ping at all, right? Because you're not using an Android phone. But the whole concept of this was as long as you're around 
other iPhones. And in America, it's the top selling phone in America. So obviously there's going to be iPhones around. All he needs to be doing is driving near people and it worked again. So uh, this experiment that's, uh, that he did, he was able to track his friend who doesn't even have an iPhone because he's around iPhone. So again, and, and with an Android phone, you would never even, there's no notification at all. So I guess the question is to you guys, I would love to understand your thoughts about it. We'll start with Greg. We'll go all the way around. Everyone, will, I, I, I really want to hear everyone's feedback on this. This was not for me to be provocative. I really wanted to see if this would work. And I'm terribly interested in people's thoughts about this because I think that the challenge here for Apple is very difficult. I don't suspect they ever tried to do what I did. I suspect if they ever hear about this, it will be quickly fixed. But um, Greg, start with you and let's go around. I, I would love to hear everyone's uh, feedback on this. Yeah, I mean, I won't go too long because I pretty I pretty much said this before AirTags were a thing. I said one of the biggest issues I foresee for this product, even though there's similar products that exist like this, like Tile, is that Apple is the privacy company and they take that onus on themselves. And, you know, Apple products are just usually like so popular. So like, you know, Travis is already making the video where he successfully did this pretty shortly after launch. And, you know, I was like, joking around with Travis saying like, hey, you should put that on like TikTok because I can already imagine like th this is going to be like on TikTok going like, hey, look, you can track your friends doing this, put an air tag in their bag, put an air tag in their car. So I think it is a big uh, privacy uh, issue for Apple, especially, you know, you buy a $30 tracker. It's kind of scary. You know, if this makes like mainstream news, if they run a story about it, you know, it'll, it'll freak people out. Uh, I do like that Apple thought of it though, right? Like they were thinking about this. They say AirTags is not to track humans. It's not to track pets. Um, you know, they're putting in the, they're supposed to put a notification. You know, I don't know how exactly that works. I don't know when it sends you the notification. Obviously they can't do it right away when you come across an AirTag. Otherwise, like every time you walk past an AirTag, you get a notification. That wouldn't make sense at all. So there has to be some way for them to geolocate it, send you that notification and say, hey, like there's like an AirTag right by you. Is this yours kind of thing? You know, you might want to deactivate it. Um, so I do applaud them for thinking about that. Obviously from your video, right? Like they got to think about it probably a little bit more, maybe roll out an update um, to, to let people know, like this is happening. Uh, so the privacy thing there is like, yeah, it's, it's pretty troubling to me. Uh, and, but like an, another thing, and you know, I was watching your video and I've heard, you know, I was talking to, um, Patrick Tommaso, we're talking about air tags and stuff like this. It seems like there's no real time tracking. So it's not, you know, you're going based off like, it pinging like another iPhone. So, you know, when your friend's like driving in the car and stuff like that, he has to stop at each location. If this was like a real time tracker, which I think you can buy, I don't know, I'm not looking into that, but like it's not tracking in real time. So maybe that's like enough of a public safety measure of where it's like, well, what are you gonna do? Put this air tag on there and like, you know where they live. It's like, well, you could have followed them with your car. So realistically, is that like, is that really the biggest privacy thing in the world? But if this was like real time tracking, like you could follow someone like from their car drive to wherever they're going, I think that would be on a whole other level. All right, Renee, let's hear it. Man, I hate going after Greg because he just says everything. <laughs> and then I have to struggle to figure out what other pithy comments I can insert. I say it yeah, in I, I, dumb ways, though. So you got it, Renee. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's a really tough problem 
to solve. Like, you know, you could decide just not to make um, not to make AirTags, but there are like the Samsung smart tags and the tiles, uh, which don't have any, as far as I know, any privacy mitigations on them. Uh, and, you know, people for a long time have been throwing cheap phones in the back of people's cars and using those to every, you know, every dumb TV show shows you how to do that real early on. Uh, so this is a balance. And we already saw when Apple announced the mitigations or people started reporting on them, people who wanted to use them to hunt down thieves, like the Batman got really angry because they figured that the thieves would just, you know, take the things out, throw them away like a Mark Rober uh, glitter bomb, and uh, you'd never be able to get your stuff back. Your, you know, Gary would lose his Hermes tag real quick that way. So it's one, of, and the other thing I thought was interesting is that Apple said they're going to be adjusting how all this works when they see a bunch of people using it because they've done internal testing, but that's never... N never equals a million people hitting it for QA in the real world. So a lot of the things aren't hardwired into the tags. They're server side and can be adjusted. But I still think there's problems that they just won't be able to solve. Like if Travis puts it in a truck that happens to have a material that's non-conducive to Bluetooth, you know, maybe that's why he's getting spotty reception. Uh, but the person in the car is getting no reception just because of the stuff that they have to go through in the car. Or if it puts it on someone in a bus or puts it in like the a trailer that's in the back of their car. Like there's all these sorts of real world conditions that I don't think they'll ever be able to account for. And then it's just a matter like, is something better than nothing? And for me, I had tiles, I never used them much. I honestly don't know how much I'm gonna use an AirTag, uh, but I, I think it's neat that the product exists and I hope they just keep, like they'll get videos like Travis's. And my bigger wish is that as much as people, you know, smash on this, please smash on tiles, please, please smash on, uh, on the Samsung tags, all of this stuff, because you can't, we can't get better with just Apple making a version. We've got to get everybody, get attention on everybody, make these products better for everybody. So I'm like super happy that Travis made that video, and I hope we get better AirTags because of it. Yeah, I, first of all, I, I still love, I actually like the product. I think it's great. And obviously, just like anything, a fork can be used for illegal purposes. So let's what? be kind of, it's a tool. I mean, I'm pretty sure, right? You, still could you just go, shift somebody with a fork, Travis? You could. You totally could. <laughs> So I guess it's that's not the issue. The issue is how someone uses it. So we'll keep that in mind. I think it's a well, great. Do you remember, product. like, Apple announced some accessibility features. They announced like the zoom, the ultra zoom, and the distance hearing, so you could put your AirPod down. Yeah. And then people like they can be spying. They're yeah, people yeah, spying, yeah. and the poor like person with no no or low hearing and vision is like, I just I just want some help. <laughs> I just want a little. You're a hundred percent right. It's a tool. But Luke, uh, what what do you think about the whole situation here? I think. I, I mean, I think it's an impossible thing to avoid. Uh, there's plenty of tracking products out there. Realistically, like here's here's the thing: if you wanted to stalk your friend, I don't think an AirTag would be the most effective way to do it. Even if they didn't even try to have that like tracking thing, I, I just looked on Amazon. You look up GPS tracker. There's a billion different results, and I'm sure you could find something. If you really wanted to stalk someone, you could find a way to do it. I, I it sucks to say. Because it shouldn't be the case, but I don't realistically think that it's unavoidable uh, or that it is avoidable. Um, the thing that I don't like is a thief thing. And I, I wish that there was some way, I put this in the comment to your video, Travis. I really wish that there was some way that they could have like a stolen device mode, which would allow you to track something that gets stolen. And I understand that that would directly defeat the uh, anti-getting tracked function. Because then if I wanted to track someone, I could just disable that and it would continue to track them. And 
it could be used maliciously. However, I think for what the air tag does, being able to get stuff that was stolen back is probably higher on the list of priorities than preventing people from, from tracking you, in my opinion. That might be controversial, and I'm sure there's plenty of different takes on it, but I don't know. The way I see it, it's kind of impossible to prevent both absolutes. There's no way that you can prevent someone from just tossing the air tag if they find it. And there are ways to get around people not wanting to be tracked. Like you said, with a car, I think it's very possible that if it's not following you around precisely or pinging off of your iPhone or let alone if this person has an Android, they're not going to get the notification anyway. You can track your Android friends all you want. Even if... Even if it'll start chirping, you know, <laughs> it'll find them, but they're not going to get a ping. They're on an Android phone. So you're, you're not going to win either battle. I think it would be more worthwhile to put it into like if your bag gets stolen and has an air tag in it, you can get it back and they can't just defeat it. I mean, maybe when they rifle through your bag, they'll find it unless you like sew it into a pocket, which I'm totally going to do now that I thought of that. Um, like, you know, I just I don't really see a way to win both of those things. So you just got to pick one. And I think picking theft prevention is probably the greater reward than the alternative. See, see, Luke, you need the decoy air tag. So they find the one air tag. And they're like, ha, it's mine. Exactly. And you've got the second gone. one in the in the pocket all sewn in. It's like that's uh -uh. why they sell them in packs of four. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, what yeah, do you think? Um, Ranger. I know you said you I mean, your million dollar air tag on a fifteen dollar backpack, but uh, <laughs> overall, what do you think about uh, the, the air tags as uh, both the way they are being, they should be used, and maybe some other ways they maybe should be used? I don't know. I mean, I don't actually have a lot of use for an air tag. Uh, the thing that I'm always losing is my phone, and unless I like duct tape <laughs> an air tag to my phone, it's not going to help me too much. I don't really like. Uh, I I agree with everybody previous. I think the genie's out of the bottle, you know, for personal trackers one way or the other. So I understand Apple trying to, you know, also play in this space. And I do think Apple does pretty well as far as any technology company does go for um, privacy and security. So hopefully they'll be able to make, you know, the best product they can because iPhones are so ubiquitous everywhere. And if their tracker is going to become the most popular tracker, um, maybe that's better than just some rando amazon tracker uh that's out there so i i don't know i don't want to be tracked uh i don't really have a use for air tags so hopefully uh they'll be able to figure out um how to make it work in a way that keeps everybody safe but balances uh, everybody's privacy at the same time yeah it's again a pretty cool little product and you can always come up with with ways of taking something that's a tool and and using it to, to some type of nefarious means but um you know, I just thought it'd be a fun little experiment. I can't figure out a way to do something like that with like an iMac or anything. But as soon as I can figure something out, you can hide it in Marquez's luggage. You never know. <laughs> See if he can hide it. Yeah, uh, iMac sells for more than thirty bucks. Let's be real. True. Well, in the the Magnus, I so I also didn't buy any of the um, the Apple. Uh, little attachment thing. That was a, like a, a generic one from Amazon for like ten bucks. Thank goodness those things are out because. I mean, it already like doubles the price of an AirTag by getting those little holder things. Right, or accessories are so expensive anymore. I don't even know why we, you know, we go out and buy these things. It's interesting that they yeah, literally all accessories like the ones that normal people buy, like you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, exactly. At the like an everyday person, you know, we've got it. Look, Duke. 
we, you know, some of us, you know, have style. Some of us Mm -hmm. have style and we have to track our style things properly with, uh, uh, Hermes, um, specialty tags. Are you going to be buying a gold chain and wearing it as a pendant? I don't know how it's a style choice. It's not Gary's fault. He has swagger. You know, he doesn't even exercise. He's got, he just wakes up like this. Yeah, you don't 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 be hating. This is you know I wake up like this. This is just the 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 average. This In is a every PlayStation day. T-shirt. People are loving. I will. So I was literally just making my video, and I was like, oh yeah, hey, I've got this thing that um, we got to do. So I the the camera's like you know. In my PlayStation t-shirt, I only own like six t-shirts, so. <laughs> one PlayStation, one Atari, one Xbox. It's very simple wardrobe. <laughs> I'll be tell you what I want to do. I do have an Atari replace, one. I want to replace my button-down do shirt lineup, and I want to put air tags for the buttons. That's the next style. <laughs> that's, 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 the the that's the baller play, Luke. No, that, that's something that Greg would do, you'd think. Oh. An air tag snowman in the heart of New Jersey. That's actually pretty Yeah. <laughs> No, but it, uh, it's been so much fun. I, I really uh, enjoy when we do these like supercasts. Uh, they're, they're the most fun. So what I think we're going to do is I think we're going to do a little Q&A with the live Hold stream. on. We still got to, mm-hmm. you know. What do you got? I, I still want to talk about the iPad Pro before you open oh, this up sorry. to yes, uh, we questions. Do. We need oh, to talk right. about that. That's I don't think fun. we need to talk about the Apple TV. Sorry, Apple TV, you know, A12. Right, it's, it's, you know. It's okay. Uh, but no, this new iPad Pro, really interesting. So we started the show talking about the M1 iMac, a product where it's like, okay, upper limit of the M1 chip of what you can do, whatever. But, um, you know, I was shocked. I was I was legitimately shocked going into this. Now, we all know sitting here uh, that the iPad Pro was going to, you know, the rumors were going A14X. We all knew this was based off the M1 anyway. Um but I got to say, I was legitimately surprised when Apple announced these new iPads and they just went for it. They they just said M1 powered iPads. Number one, I think it's genius to introduce a full desktop computer with the M1. And, you know, you know, the behind the scenes, you know, you know, that was going to be the iPad chip anyway. And then they just completely reverse it and go, well, now we're bringing that power to the iPad. And I'm like, oh, it, it completely flips it. It goes, the iPad now has desktop power. So I thought that was just uh, genius marketing. But I was surprised that they actually called it M1. Luke, I'm very interested to hear like what you have to say about that. Like they named it M1. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was I was just surprised from a, the standpoint that Apple has been so rigid for so long with the way that they name their products. Uh, and, and I'm sure Renee would have a lot more knowledge than me on you know the individual controllers and, and optimizations that are on each of these Apple chips. Every time I watch a, a Renee video where he talks about all of these little things, I'm always, I get confused. I can't even keep track of it. So he's definitely got the scoop on that. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some like, I, I don't know, is there a need for any sort of Rosetta? I know that there was like an encoder that accelerates translation, I think. Am I correct yeah, on we that, know Renee? you want to write Intel. Yeah, you know you want to run Intel Mac apps on your iPad. You know yeah, it. Yeah, right? Like, like, are they shipping <laughs> it with that? Because basically in yes. my video a couple of, of weeks ago where I was talking about this iPad Pro is it's the same exact chip, the exact same thing. But I just anticipated that maybe they would enable some things and disable other things but no they just kind of went for it which i guess is simpler from a manufacturing standpoint as i was saying earlier they're trying to get as much mileage out of their chips as they possibly can 
I mean, they just put a freaking A12 in a brand new 2021 device. So clearly Apple uses their their ch their chip technology for a long time. Um, but I was I was definitely surprised just from a marketing segmentation standpoint to see M1 show up in an iPad because um, I mean it it immediately invites the conversation. Oh my gosh, is there going to be Mac OS on an iPad? That's what this all means. And apart, I mean, I guess I guess it invites that conversation, but that conversation also gets shut down pretty quickly because it's patently absurd. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, yeah let me ran Mac OS on a twelve on an A twelve. Z for like the whole developer kit thing. Yeah, Renee, yeah. we were talking about this on Twitter for a little bit of, um, you know, you know, I, I don't even think Apple has to do Mac OS. I don't even think they have to port over pro apps for iPad. I think that's, you know, that's what like the nerds kind of want. I think iPad on its own, it's, it's doing what it needs to do. Uh, but, you know, Apple invites the question on themselves when they do put M1 in there, when they do put the same memory configurations you know, like, what is the real difference between an iPad and uh, and a MacBook Air at this point? Um, you know, could Apple, you know, maybe not run macOS, but maybe they could get some of their software on it. Maybe they can get other M1 optimized Mac apps for iPad. Well, and a Mac, an iOS still doesn't swap. Like, in very, 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 very specific cases, it'll swap. But almost always, it just jetsums. Anything, anything that doesn't behave properly when it's in the background. So you can have a lot of live memory. It'll be great. But I don't know how you're going to get memory pressure on 16 gigabytes on an iPad in typical daily use. You'd have to be doing something pretty outstanding at that point. Yeah, yeah and that was the basis of the, uh, the video I did a couple of weeks ago where I, I talked about why, why are they putting 16 gigs on, on an iPad? And I think a lot of people immediately thought I was saying Mac OS. I was not. I was talking about more professional level apps because it's the only thing that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Storage does not have to be directly connected to RAM. In other words, you don't have to get the, you ha right now when you buy that new iPad Pro, if you get anything over a terabyte, you're getting 16 gigs of RAM. But that, it's not because it has something to do with the M1 chip. Right? It's, it's not that, That's, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I was saying that Pro apps make sense. And especially since John Prosser has said he's actually seen uh, an FX, uh, sorry, Final Cut working on an iPad like a half a year ago, then it, it makes sense. And there's just a lot of things that make sense. The M1, all that stuff. Um, it is interesting. I just want to see Travis editing his video in the video, and then he swipes over, plays Fortnite, sorry, I mean PUBG, <laughs> yeah. and then swipes back to to whatever editing software, and it hasn't, it hasn't been Jetsum. I, listen, I'm all about that life. I wish, right now, something's going on with my, I, I can't wait to get my, well, I say I can't wait to get my new iPad. I know it's going to be basically the same for me. They, they, they tricked me with the M1. They really did, because we know <laughs> it. The same darn processor. We knew this. But I think it's really it's really interesting. And Gary, I know I want to talk to you about this because you're, um, because I know I'm waiting to see your video. I'm going to do a very crappy version of whatever video you do about the, the MacBook air or, or the MacBook pro with M one versus the iPad pro. I know same process. Like I know that's coming. I'm going to watch yours before I even attempt to do anything about it. Um, what do you think the real differences between these? Do you think that this is going to be the professional level iPad? Finally, are we going to see those apps or do you think it's just, Someone in my comments said, oh, well, just Apple being nice and giving you extra RAM. I'm like, when, since when does Apple do that? They don't even give you power bricks anymore for phones, so I don't know why they'd give you RAM. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm excited to see it when it comes out, but honestly, from a power perspective, I mean, the A12Z was already an eight-core processor, uh, so I don't think we're going to see the the huge difference that we saw between 
you know, an i3 or an i5 versus M1, like in the MacBooks, uh, when we see the iPad going from A12Z to M1, I, I think the biggest differences are going to be the, the new display on the 12.9 inch and Thunderbolt instead of USB um, from the, the connection. Uh, I'm excited. Hopefully they'll, they'll figure out a way to maybe duplicate the displays or allow you an extended display when you're plugged in uh, now that there's Thunderbolt as opposed to USB-C. But I don't know. It, it, and so this has been something that I've been, you know, if you're buying an iPad for like professional work, like let's say you're syncing calendars, you're doing your PowerPoints, your productivity from an iPad, like that's kind of a tough sell uh, with the MacBook Air because you already get the keyboard. You already get uh, everything where uh, with an iPad, you're going to have to spend another you know, I mean, you could just buy the accessories, but if you're looking for the 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 most MacBook-ish experience out of an iPad, it's going to cost you significantly more than um, a MacBook Air. So I don't I don't know. I'm excited. I just like new gadgets, uh, so I'm excited to try it out. But um, I'm not. I I, I am. Uh, so the 2018 iPad Pro was legitimately mind blowing for me. The 2020 was a you know, a little bit more and I'm, I'm concerned that the M one iPad is going to be a little bit more, but it's going to seem cooler before we get it because it says M one, as opposed to a 14 instead of, you know, whatever the next a four. Yeah. It says a, it says M instead of a. And I think that's exactly why they did it. It's, it's very hard to beat the 2018 iPad pro. I've got the 11 inch. I've had it right here the whole time. Shocking plot twist. <laughs> and it, I don't need more RAM. I don't need more power. I don't need an M1 in this thing. I absolutely love this device. I don't even use it to its fullest potential. I, I, I'm an embarrassment to the iPad Pro, to be honest. I just use it for the most casual of thing. But here I am buying a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, uh, mainly because of the mini-LED display. That one I'm genuinely very curious about, and I'm really excited for that to come to the next-gen MacBook Pro. That's a whole other can of worms. But... I think that's one of the reasons that they put the M1 in, or why they called it the M1. It was always going to be the same chip. But, you know, it's just one more thing to hopefully entice. I don't know. Maybe it'll get 100,000 more 12.9-inch uh, 2018 iPad Pro users to go, oh, well, that's good. I'm going to buy it because it's M1. You know, it, if, if you have the ability to just get that extra sale just by changing an M to an A, Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, I'm excited for it because that's what I edit all my stuff on. I know you guys, for the most part, use it in uh, ancillary um, ways, but it's, it's my you know, when I me. When I watch uh, you know, a Travis MCP video with that mini LED display, you know, that's that's it. It's all you need. You know, I'll be, I'm going to be so much you know, better. Watch how much of a better YouTuber I'm going to be. You're going to, you know like, what, you know, if you, if you watch all my videos on the mini LED display, it's going to look better. And uh, I think you're going to appreciate my content more. No, um, yeah, I, all I'll say about the iPad Pro, especially the 12.9, like I haven't seen the display, but like just looking at like the specs, knowing like I, I can almost kind of take Apple's word for like display technology at this point. They never really seem to disappoint. But like a million to one contrast ratio plus 120 hertz, like hardware, hardware wise, iPad Pro, it really is quite a device. Honestly, when 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 they were talking about price increases for like the mini LED, I honestly thought it was going to end up coming out more. But like just another hundred dollar bump Same. on it. I was like, you know, I'm totally OK with that. Yeah. If, if if that's like if that's really like a pro display XDR that you can like kind of like hold around. I know that's marketing terms, but like realistically, like mini LED. 
Um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to use that. I might, you know, depending on how good the display is, it, maybe I could incorporate it into what I do more. Maybe I'd want to push the iPad Pro a little bit more than I do now, which is probably like Luke's use of it. I'm, I'm really not utilizing uh, an iPad Air's full potential, let alone an M1 equipped iPad Pro. Yeah, I, and again, I use it only for, uh, you know, producing my my channel, and I. I mean, I, I guess a little bit more speed, I guess. But even then, I, I feel like, but how, how would they even make it faster? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm up for it if they can do it. I have a question for the entire panel because, uh, you know, uh, Travis and I last time, we both got the 12.9 2020 because we kind of wanted like a bigger display. And, um, you know, uh, the iPad Air came out after that. And I was kind of like, did I make the right choice? I kind of like having like the smaller iPad. Um but now, like, like what size iPad does, like, everyone use? And is the 12.9-inch iPad, even if that wasn't the size you wanted, are you just going for that just because it has a mini LED display? Renee, what size do you usually use for, like, iPad? Oh, max. Like, I get the biggest size I could. If Apple okay. a bigger one, i get that, too. So I've had <laughs> the 12.9-inch since they launched it in 2015, and I would go 14 16 inch. I mean, throw the, throw display size at me all the time. So, please. so you're looking at the 24 inch iMac and you're like, if they put a battery on the back of that, I just rip that thing off and I'm good to go. <laughs> I mean, I know designers who want 120 inch iPads to put on their draft. Oh yeah. Table. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Biggest possible. Yeah. So, okay. So you're already going for mini led. You, it's, it was done. Yes. Done deal. Yeah. Luke, how about Thank you? Deal. If they put it on the small one, I would have been super salty. Instead <laughs> of the big one. Like, if it was just on the small one. Oh, that would have been, been super so salty. funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh I'm with Greg. I I really I, I was very conflicted because I super duper love the size of this iPad Pro. Cause for my my filthy casual usage, it it's almost such that I can hold it and type on it. Like use it away from the smart case, the or the magic keyboard. This is a great accessory, three hundred bucks. I cannot recommend it enough. Except maybe not for three hundred bucks. But, you, know, <laughs> you get what you get. Um, also, I think my camera's about to shut off. Yep, I'm in a void now. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. Uh, it's it's a great size because it means that I can use it away from the keyboard, which I just love because it's thin and beautiful and wonderful, and I love holding it. I don't know that I could necessarily do that with the twelve point nine, which kind of makes me sad a little bit. But I've never had one, so I can't really speak to that yet. And also, I, I, the way that I reconciled it was one, mini LED, and two, I'm going to keep the 11-inch iPad Pro, so I'll just have both <laughs> tech YouTuber things. Do we, a, do we have a puppet, Luke, that Greg could put up in a No, we need time? something to put up in this. <laughs> in this Does Gary have an extra T-shirt that we could put on? <laughs> I have lots of extra T-shirts. Six extra T-shirts. You get that detail. Hermes uh, tag, you know, just dangle it over, put a stick over it. Gary, what size do you like, bud? Uh, so I think the iPad Air is like the best value iPad ever. And I always have mine um, around with me. Uh, I personally bought both because, you know, YouTube content being what it is after a six month, you know, drought, uh, I bought everything the second uh, I could. Uh, but no, I, I like the smaller size just because I use them uh, when I don't have a MacBook with me. I like using it to, uh, I like the touch screen for calendars. Uh, so I basically, my day involves typing emails, uh, writing white papers, uh, syncing calendars across organizations. So I like using the iPad for that because it's a bigger screen than my phone. It's not as big as a hassle um, as my normal Dell laptop that I use on a daily basis. 
Uh, so I like the smaller size. I got the bigger one because it has the new display. I would have been salty. Well, I am salty because it's only on the bigger one. I wish it would have only been on the 11-inch version. Uh, that was a gauntlet both. drone. Give us both. Yeah. No, I think they were afraid okay, of making the entry-level price branch. too high. It's like, $100. It yeah, it's like $100 surcharge. And I think they would have made the entry-level price of the iPad Pro unpalatable. Like an $899 11-inch iPad Pro, I think, would have blown their, their price curves. Well, we have uh, gone over a little bit. Uh, I know that the people listening in the audio podcast are probably enjoying this uh, longer version of the podcast uh, live stream. We're going to do a quick Q&A here at the end. We don't want to disrespect the time of our um, of the guys that come. We definitely appreciate them so much. When we do the Supercast, people really like them. They tend to be our most downloaded episodes, so I'm super happy about that. If you need to watch any of these gentlemen's YouTube channels, if you're listening on audio, the uh, links will be in the show notes as long as Greg doesn't forget. They're already in the links of the live stream, so I've already done my work. Let's see if uh, Greg, the uh, professional... I never doctor, leave out a link. Come on. Get out of just, here. Just, Look just at this guy. Just, just uh, and uh, definitely make sure you uh, drop a comment next time you see one of their videos. Tell them you heard them on GadgetCast and let them know that they need to come back because we love them so much. Uh, so many people watching live. We appreciate you greatly. For those of you watching live, we're going to do a little Q&A. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, thank you so much. Please leave us an Apple podcast review. It helps us very much. And we love you very much. So I guess for Greg and Renee and Luke and Gary, I'm Travis. We'll see you next week. Peace.